Welcome back. Turn to your neighbor and say, welcome back. <laughs> so good to be in the room together in these unprecedented times. Who's sick of that term? <laughs> unprecedented times. Or the other, the other one is the new norm. Ah, oh, you love that one too. We're in the new norm, whatever that is. But you know what? I was thinking about it. Unprecedented times. It's actually not that unprecedented. Like it's unprecedented perhaps for us and our generation, but you only have to go back to the 1940s. There was a polio epidemic in New Zealand, and they were, they were closing schools. They were shutting down gatherings because uh, there was a, an epidemic sweeping up and down the nation. Now, polio was more of a, a disabler than a killer, but if you go back another 50-odd years, go back about 100 years, 1918, in New Zealand there was an influenza epidemic. They called it the Spanish flu. About 8,500 people died in that one year. In fact, less than a year. It just swept through in a few months. And it wasn't the, the elderly like we're seeing with COVID-19 and, and the frail. It was, it was young people. Uh, and that was on the back of... World War I, which had killed about 18,000 young, mainly young men. And that's from a, from a nation of one million people. So, you know, a, f- a fifth of the size, we're about five million now. So if you, if you do the math, which I did for you, uh, it would be the equivalent of now about 130,000 130, people dying, and mainly from a young demographic. That would be about the city of Dunedin gone in that space of time. That's crazy. So actually, COVID-19, we've got off pretty lightly uh, in the big scheme of things. So we have been incredibly blessed, actually, as a nation. Our government has handled it well. and, And let's be honest, we're pretty isolated from the rest of the world, just geographically. So, so it's, it's actually been easier, a lot better than it could have been. But I don't want to downplay the fact that it has been hard. For a lot of you, it's been a challenge. A lot of you have had things come into your world or, or lost things in your world. You've lost jobs or, or you've, uh, you've had to work harder than you've ever had to work before. There's been greater pressure. Your, your work practices have changed. Perhaps you've, you've had to uh, work from home You've, you've had to become school teachers at home. You've been homeschooling, uh, you know, and you've been, you've been limited to, to not be able to come to gatherings like this. So there's so many, so many things that have come against us. It's been a challenge, and I'm sure you've all got your own story of challenge. You can share them all afterwards. Uh, that'll be awesome. But what I want to talk about today is not so much the hardship, the adversity, but it's the opportunity that comes from adversity. And that's why I I love the testimony that Ben brought, because really there was an opportunity in in the midst of that adversity that he grasped, that he took, and in doing so, God worked a miracle. And I know that there are miracles sitting in this room if we would take what's come against us, and turn it into an opportunity. Uh, just, just turn to your neighbor and say, today's your day of opportunity. That's right. 
Today is the day of opportunity. Because you see, the message out there at the moment is all about be careful, right? The police, the, the government, all the authorities are saying, be careful, be careful, you know, wash your hands every time and, and you know, keep clear track of where you're going and cough into your elbow. And, and I think you should do those things, you know. If you, if you weren't washing your hands after you went to lose, you should have been doing that. Perhaps you're sanitizing a bit more than you, you used to, but, you know, coughing into your elbow, you should do that too. There's some things you can carry on doing. But you see, the message out there is just, just play it safe. Come on, we've got to be careful. But this is what the Bible, I want to read to you what the Bible says about being careful. Ephesians 5, verse 15 and 16, it says this. Be very careful. So it's not just careful. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. It's good so far. Making the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. That kind of flips it on its head. Being very careful looks like making the most of every opportunity. It's not what the government is telling us at the moment. Being very careful looks like washing your hands and staying at home. And they've got to send that message, and I'm not arguing with that. But as Christians, actually, being very careful... It's more about taking every opportunity that God has for us in our world. Not being overly cautious and staying at home and living out of fear, but rather stepping outdoors and, and, and making decisions out of love. Because fear and love are opposites. And I'm so glad so many of you come out today and you're not huddling at home in fear. Because we need to step forward because the world has become a lot more fearful place. It was already fearful. It just now it's got a, a greater focus to its fear. It was always anxious. It's now got a, something more to, to focus in it, on itself. Because God, our God is a God of love. And he tells us that perfect love drives out all fear. And so there's an opportunity now for us not to live hemmed in by fear, to, to just stay in our comfort and our, and our bubble, to just, you know, but, but to step out in love. Because this is, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. This is our day of opportunity. This is your day. Write it down. This is my day of opportunity. You see, the latter part of that, that scripture I just read to you from Ephesians 5 it says, because the days are evil. You would think, oh, because the days are evil, you should stay at home and hunker down. Yeah, you think that would be the logical thing God would be saying. Because it's hard out there, because it's evil, because it's scary, because it's, you should just be hiding away, Christian, and staying safe. But no, God says, because the days are evil, you need to be getting out there and making the most of every opportunity. And I don't think anybody's going to debate with me about the fact that the days are evil. You know, a global pandemic. We're just seeing, you know, racial injustice and a, and a move against that. You know, even in our own nation, abortion laws were passed over the course of the lockdown. That these are evil times that we live in. And the natural tendency and natural self 
wants to hunker down and hide away. But we don't live by our natural selves. We live supernaturally. And the God in us is calling us out. He's calling us to take every opportunity and to step out and love. We actually need to be opportunistic. Those of you who love sport, you'll know the kind of idea of an opportunistic try, an opportunistic goal or a, or, or a play. It's when uh, there's a moment and uh, maybe there's a penalty or something and somebody grabs the ball and just on the spur of the moment, they grab an opportunity and they take it and they make something of it and they score a try or a goal or whatever it is. But that opportunity is only there for a split second. And if they'd waited longer, the other team would have got organized and the opportunity would have been gone. We, tell, we, we live in a time where we need to be opportunistic. Not to, to take opportunity against other people, but there are opportunities that are available right now that won't be there in six months, in one month, even in one week's time. And you go, oh, well, what are these opportunities? Where are these opportunities, Dave? Um, and what are these opportunities for? Well, these opportunities are for good. Galatians 6 verse 10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Because let's be clear from the outset. The opportunities are not so much for you as they are for other people. Yes, it's a day of opportunity for you, but actually more so, it's a day of opportunity for you to be an instrument of change in someone's life. It's an opportunity for you to bless someone. It's actually, although they don't realize it, it's their opportunity from you taking an opportunity. Because it's not, it's not actually about your opportunity to, you know, to benefit from someone else's misfortune. It's your opportunity to bless someone in their moment of misfortune. So we actually have to become more opportunistic as a church, as a people, for the gospel of God. And actually, if you look back in the Bible, it's how the church was birthed. Like Peter, get this, in, in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit pours out. There's 120 uh, of them gathered together. The Holy Spirit pours out on them, and, and there's tongues of flame, and, and they start speaking in tongues, and and, the, and a big crowd gathers because they're like, what are these crazy nuts doing? They're all speaking. And, and they're like, someone says, oh, they're drunk. Ah, oh, they're all, look at them. They call themselves this new Christian cop. And they're all, they're all getting plastered. And, and it could have gone back. The church could have just flatlined then and there. But Peter steps forward and he takes an opportunity. And he says, no, 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 no. We're not drunk. And he goes and he talks through the, the, the prophet. Um, Joel, and, 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 he, and he guides them through uh, the prophecy. And he says, no, no, this is actually what God foretold. This is the Spirit of God moving in this place. And he takes that opportunity. And because he took that opportunity, 120 people turned to 3,000. That's probably, we're probably not quite 120 people, but close to that would be us turning to 3,000 people in one go. Filling this place 10 times over just because Peter took an opportunity. He saw what was going on and he was like, man, this is an opportunity. He could have seen it and gone, ah, oh, this is freaking me out. This is weird. 
what's going on? But no, he stepped forward and he took an opportunity. And actually, if you think about it, the very, the very next chapter, he takes another opportunity. He's heading to the temple courts and uh, him and John, and they, they see a man who's been crippled since, since birth and, and he's crying out to him and he's saying, oh, you know, give me some money. And, and Peter doesn't have any money. He's like, he's, he's broke. He, he's a pastor. No, no, he's, no, I'm not broke, by the way. It's okay. <laughs> but he's like, I've got nothing. You know, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have, I give to you. See, he didn't have anything, but oh, no, he, really, he remembered. Oh, actually, I've got something. I've got Jesus. And he took that opportunity. There was adversity. There was, there was someone in need, and he took an opportunity. And then that man jumps up. He's healed. And then another crowd gathers, and Peter's away again, preaching, taking another opportunity because the crowd had gathered. We've just got to take opportunities in this season. Because here's my second point. Opportunity doesn't look like opportunity until after the fact. Opportunity often doesn't look like opportunity until we look back in hindsight and we're like, oh, that was a great opportunity. But see, here's the thing. We don't want to look back and go, oh, that was a great opportunity. Rats, I missed it. We want to look back and go, oh, that was a great opportunity. I'm so glad I stepped forward and I took it. You see, I don't want you to look back in a few months' time and go, man, I missed an opportunity there. I could have reached out to my neighbors. I had this opportunity because how many of you know there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a sense that we are a, a, a family of five million at the moment, but that will dissipate. As people go back to their normal lives, that sense of us being in it together, of looking out for our neighbors, that opportunity that it, it's not so weird if you go and you know, check up on someone, and that will go. Because people get involved in their, in, their, in their lives again. And I don't want us to look back and go, oh man, I should have taken that opportunity. And now is the moment when we can, and it often looks like a problem. It often looks like adversity. Opportunity is usually dressed in adversity. Have you noticed that? Opportunity is usually dressed in adversity. Look at so many of the great opportunities in the Old Testament. And if you look at them without knowing the outcome, you think, man, that's not an opportunity. That's a death sentence. <laughs> that's like certain death or imminent danger coming my way. David and Goliath, in hindsight, great opportunity. But actually, you know, there's this little kid going up against a nine-foot giant. That's like certain death. That doesn't look like great opportunity. Esther, coming to the king. You know, in those times, uh, to, to approach the king was a death sentence. You know, we look back and go, man, a great opportunity. But actually to her, it was great adversity. Moses, leading the people of Israel through the Red Sea. Daniel, standing up to Nebuchadnezzar. Joseph, being sold into slavery. I could go on and on and on. All these opportunities. No, they don't look like opportunities. They look like hard stuff. They look like opposition. They look like I'm going to die if nothing happens in my favor. 
But you see, David slays Goliath, right? Esther saves a nation from slaughter. Moses leads a nation to freedom. Daniel tames the lions and, and converts a king. Joseph rises to save two nations, including his family. The greatest adversity leads to the greatest miracles. And so we've just been through a, quite a season of adversity. And I wonder what are the miracles that God has, like Ben, for his business. There are miracles that God wants to work in your world. The greatest opportunity is often wrapped in the greatest adversity. I want to look in, into the, a couple of examples a little closer around this. So if you've got a Bible with you, turn with me to Judges um, 6. That's a fairly well-known story. I'm just going to give you the, set the, the tone for it. It's a story of Gideon. It says in, in Judges 6, verse 1, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain cliffs, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Essentially, we've had a minor plague uh, in, in COVID-19. But for most of us, it's not been as so much devastating as, as inconveniencing, right? Now, we're heading into this time of economic fallout. We're heading into this kind of time of uh, unknown, and it will be significant, perhaps not here as much as in other countries, but, you know, it's, there are some hard economic times here. But it's nothing like what the Israelites are facing here. Seven years that I've had all that they had taken away from them. So we go all the way back to 2013, <laughs> and they've sorted out all their finances, and they've got everything sorted, and someone comes, and they've taken it away. And they're like, oh, oh, oh I'll rebuild, 2014. And they're getting sorted, and then someone's come, and they've stripped it all away. Okay, right, 2015. And they come and they've taken it away. And they've come and they've taken it away. And they've come and they've taken it away. And they've tried to resist and they've had people killed. So they've come and they've taken it away. And eventually they've reached 2020 and they're like, I've had enough. I don't know why it took them seven years to cry out to God. <laughs> this life's a bit slow sometimes. They were living in caves. Nobody's been living in, you could live in cave. Um, uh, if you've come from that far. But nobody's living in caves. We're not, we're not anywhere near that desperate a time. But here they are. They're crying out to God. And this is how God answers. This is how God answers. Judges 6, 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abizarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. That's actually how he said it. I recorded, had a recording listened to. Uh, 
that is, that is, okay, just, just get this for a moment. He's threshing wheat in a wine press. You don't, you thresh wheat out in the open so the chaff can blow away so that um, you can separate the chaff from the wheat. That's how you thresh wheat. I'm an expert on that too. Uh, he's in a hole in the ground. That's what a wine press is, a large hole in the ground. It's not where you, he's doing it because he's, he's hiding. He's scared. He's a wimp. He's hiding from the Midianites because for the last seven years, they've taken everything. And this is all he's got. And so he's hoping that they don't, they don't find him. And here God comes and he says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. In this season, post-lockdown, lots of people have been saying, well, where's God in this? Where's God in this season? Where's the church been in this season? Well, I want to turn that on its head and say, no, no, where are you in this season? See, the Lord is with you, mighty warriors of Equipers Tamaru. The Lord is with you in this season. The opportunity is there. The people are anxious. The people are scared. The people are hurting. The people are, some of them are crying out to God for help. And you are the one he wants to send. You are the one who holds the answers. I was reflecting on uh, the, the whole protests that are happening at the moment in Black Lives Matter. And, I, and I'm, I fully agree, Black Lives Matter. I'm a bit shocked by the, the degree of lawlessness that's been uh, attached to that. But, but I was. I heard Pastor Bruce um, Monk say on a, on a, um, a Zoom meeting because we all do Zoom meetings nowadays, uh, and he said, "You know, our greatest form of protest is the gospel." And that just struck me. I was like, "Wow, you know what? He's that's right. Our greatest form of protest is is the gospel. Because you, you see, the gospel is the only thing that can change human hearts. Once you've got the gospel." your heart changes and your attitudes towards people, your biases that, that, you know, because racism is in New Zealand. We might not think it is, but it's here. We have unconscious biases. And I'm not saying that when you become a Christian, they disappear, but God starts to work in you. And our greatest protest needs to be the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anyway, I don't know how I got onto that. But uh, so, so we respond... Often we respond when God says, actually, I've got an opportunity here for you to make a difference in this broken nation. This is how often we respond uh, in, in Judges 6.13. Pardon me, my Lord. Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did the, not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of, hand of the Midians. That's, I mean, maybe we don't use that accent, but that's kind of how we respond. We're like, ah, uh, yeah, but have you seen my circumstances, God? You see, I've got problems of my own. You see, I've just been at home with two months with my children, and I can't handle you putting anything more on my case. You know, I've got issues of my own. I've got job problems. I've got this. I've got that. You know, we start to make excuses, right? Come on, I'm not alone in this. I heard one person say, yeah, we do. The rest of you are like, um, yeah. 
you're agreeing on the inside. We make excuses. I love how the angel of the Lord responds, though, because it's clear that he isn't paying Gideon any attention whatsoever. It says this in verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Now, you don't turn to someone unless you, when you start out, you're not looking at them, right? Because you're already looking at them. Like, I don't need to turn to face Matt because I'm already facing him, right? So what's happened is while Gideon is giving his excuses, the angel of the Lord is like this. Oh, oh, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Go in the strength you have. Like, he completely ignores him. He's just like, is there a sound? Is there buzzing somewhere? Is, is so, that's often what our excuses are to God. God's just like, waiting. I'm just waiting. You finished yet? Are you done? Oh, you're done. Okay. Right, and here we go. You see, it's not that God doesn't care about our excuses. And it's not that our excuses aren't relevant or, or valid. It's just that he's bigger than them. <laughs> and he knows he's bigger than them. And he wants you to know that he's bigger than them. He's just waiting for you to realize that. And so the, the angel of the Lord is essentially like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I've, you just need to get something here, Gideon. And I'm just going to say it again in a slightly different way until you get it. And, and he does. He says, go in the strength. And, and, and Gideon's like, uh, pardon me, my Lord. Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. He just goes straight back into his excuses. And, and I'm pretty sure, it doesn't say it, but I imagine the angel of the Lord's just back to paying him no attention. He ignores him again. And then the Lord answers, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none behind. You see, before you lies an opportunity. And the only thing between that opportunity and you is your excuses. It's our excuses. And that's what they are. They are excuses. They might be valid. They might, you know, there might be some truth in there. Because there was for Gideon. But God is greater than those excuses. He's greater in that situation, than anything that could come against you. God is with you. God is sending you. God is going before you, and He will make a way for you. I'm going to give you another example. Moses, leading the people out of Egypt. He leads them across the Red Sea, into the desert. They reach the edge of the promised land. And God tells Moses to send some spies. And so he sends one from each of the 12 tribes and they go and they explore the land and they report back. And, and we pick it up in Numbers 13, 27. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Malachites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. 
But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The, the descendants of Anak came from the Nephilim. Nephilim are giants. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. So again, major opportunity, major adversity. They go in there. There's a land flowing with milk and honey. There is promise. There is goodness. But there is also giants. There are also people who don't want them there. And really, they have two options. They can either just stay where they are, play it safe, stay in the wilderness, or they can take a step forward and take a risk, take a step of faith. The lockdown season is over. In fact, your pre-COVID-19 days are over. God is leading you into a land of opportunity if you're willing to step forward. You see, the question around, around this is, is really how do we see ourselves? How do we view ourselves? Because 10 of the spies saw themselves as grasshoppers in their own eyes, and, and, and they looked the same to them. In other words, to themselves, they were small, they were insignificant, they were unable to grasp the opportunity that was before them. How many of us, we think, oh yeah, that's a great opportunity, but I can't do that. Oh, that's a great opportunity, but actually our own view of ourselves and our own thoughts around what we can achieve and what we can do and our accomplishments and our, and our abilities and our skills, it's less than we believe it needs to be to take the opportunity. And so we sit back and we go, no, actually, I can't take that opportunity. I don't have, I don't have the capital to launch that business. I don't have the skills to do that. I don't have the whatever it is to step forward. We can either have that attitude or we can have the attitude that Caleb and Joshua had. Is that, you know what? We can do this. We can do this. Let's step forward and let's grab this opportunity. That's why I love the story uh, of, of Ben, not, not just for this last um, season, but Ben's been in my e-group for, uh, I don't know, 18 months or something, probably, something like that. And, and I've seen his journey towards buying the business and then starting the business and then going through this lot. And, and through that journey, I've seen God's faithfulness, his hand in that. And there was an opportunity, and Ben took advantage of it. But there was adversity in the midst of that. There's been major adversity just recently in the midst of it. There was adversity from to buy the business. And I think in every, in every great opportunity, there is adversity. If we just think about uh, the way the church is moving, I don't know if you know, but we are launching, it was announced last week, we're launching an online campus uh, as equippers. So there's heaps of people in our nation who can't get to an equippers church in person. So uh, off the back of all our online services, um, we're launching an online campus. There's, a, there's an opportunity there. 
that the church is grasping. That's awesome. They're making the most of adverse situations. Shout conference is happening. You know, most, the vast majority of of conferences these days have been canceled, right? Um, And, but I love the spirit of of Sam Monk, our senior pastor. He's like, yeah, you know what? Let's do this. I'm all about bold steps of faith. Let's just, let's do this. And so we're, we're going to the Spark Arena um, which is massive, and it'll be, a, it's a step of faith. But I love that we are part of a movement that, that grasps opportunities in the face of adversity. And they've, not, they've left themselves like four weeks to plan a conference that they normally plan, they start planning the year, you know, when the last one finished, they start planning. So they're, they're going to be under the pump, but they're taking the opportunity. So, all right, you've got it, right? You've got it in your heart. I need to take some opportunities. There are opportunities that are coming out of this season that I need to grasp. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, I've got three keys to grasping opportunity in the face of adversity. I'm glad you asked. Number one is we need to tune into faith. Tune into God's frequency of faith. You, you need to start reading Scripture over what you read in the media. Because what you read in the media is going to Send you down into, a, oh no, this is bad times, not a good idea to do this, uh, panic, I'm going to you know, get anxious about it. No, no, read scripture over what you're reading in the media. Gideon, he had to tune out his excuses and tune into what the angel was saying. And the angel was essentially saying is, I'm with you, I am with you. Caleb and Joshua, they had to tune out the voice of reason that the other 10 spies were saying, and they had to tune into the voice of faith. Was that, no, we can do this. Who are you allowing to speak into your world? Who do you need to actually tune out? It may be family members, it may be friends, it may be workmates, people in your life who are going, oh, this is hard, you know, this is hard. Actually, this is a season of opportunity. And who do you need to tune into? I reckon you need to tune into one another. You need to encourage one another. You need to get good godly people around you who are going to spur on your faith and say, yeah, you can do this. You need to get wise counsel. Now, because faith doesn't always mean doing the crazy thing. We often think, oh, faith, just do something crazy because it's, that's faith. <laughs> well, often, often there's, a, there's a degree of craziness in, in, in a step of faith. But actually, you know, sometimes discerning the will of God can be difficult. But I think often we make it harder than it needs to be. But how do you know? How do you know it's the right opportunity to grab? Because who knows? There might be lots of opportunities. You can't grab every opportunity. The Proverbs 15.22 says this, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. You need to get some good advisors around you. Don't just go and launch a business without talking to anyone who knows what it's like to launch a business without talking to someone who you know prays and listens to God and can hear on your behalf. You know, that's a, the, going back to Ben's story, we prayed as an e-group for him for months. And, and I know he talked to other people in his world and got wise counsel. You need, to, you need to gather with other people who can speak into your life. You need to surround yourselves with voices of faith. Tune into God, but tune into God through other people as well. Because God speaks through us. So that's the first thing. Tune in to faith. Second thing is prepare to pivot. 
Pivot is like the key word at the moment. Uh, it's become like a catchphrase in leadership because it is essentially what lots of businesses are having to do. They're like, ah, oh, I was doing this, and now I'm pivoting to online. Most people have done that, pivot. They've gone from shop front to online. That's their major pivot. The thing about a pivot is that you're not actually walking off in a different direction. You're just, you're still in the same place, you're just changing direction a little bit. So we need to think, man, because here's the thing, the call of God hasn't changed on your life, right? The big call that God has for you hasn't actually shifted that much. It's just the circumstances around it have. God still has the same call on your life. And so you just need to go, okay, well, how does that look in this season? How do I change direction a little bit so that I'm pivoting and I'm, and I'm heading still with the same calling but in a slightly different trajectory? You see, Equippers Church, I love being part of a church movement because it pivoted very quickly to online. Uh, and, and so, you know, the call hadn't changed. The call was to, to share the gospel, to connect with people, to build communities of faith. It's just the mode changed. We pivoted to, to going to online and to going to homes and using technology uh, to do that, to keep the call the same. So for you, maybe a, a pivot has, has been forced on you Maybe you've lost your job or you're working from home or you're, you know, you're going into study or you're looking after your kids. What, whatever it is, right now God is calling you to take that opportunity and to pivot. To go, okay, this is something new. Where is God in this opportunity? Where is God in this opportunity? Rather than, ah, oh, help me God, I need your help. No, no, God, where are you? Where are you moving? How can I get in touch with what you're doing? Can I have the keys come up? Because that's essentially what Peter did, remember? Back in Acts 2. He's like, oh my goodness, everybody's talking in a different language. I can't understand anything that they're saying. Um, and nobody seems to be, oh, this crowd is starting to go, look at us weird. Right, I'm going to pivot and I'm going to, Preach the gospel. I'm going to talk about Jesus. I'm going to draw from my knowledge of the scripture about um, the prophets, and I'm going to go there. He pivoted in that moment. And because he pivoted in that moment, 3,000 people came to know Jesus. So tune into faith. Prepare to pivot. And number three, hold your course. Hold your course. You see, once you've pivoted, it's easy to go, right, I've done this new thing. Let the blessing flow. Just like that, and the sound comes. Uh, but just because you've grasped the opportunity doesn't mean it's all going to be easy. The adversity is still there. You know, it's not going to be all plain sailing just because you changed tack. The adversity may even increase. Now look at look at Ben and his business. The the adversity actually increased after he bought the bit two months in, and all of a sudden his business has to kind of shut down. But he's still got all these overheads. Hold the course. The call hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. So you just need to hold the course. You just need to hold firm in that and God will see you through. Because the adversity may actually ramp up. Gideon 
had to go from that wine press, climb out, and he had to tear down some altars and he had to face some opposition. Then he had to attack the Midianites and then, and then God actually whittled down his army. He started with, I don't know, 10,000 or 30,000 or something and he whittled it down to like 300 and then he had to go attack. Like the adversity just kind of ramped up. Caleb and Joshua, they had to fight their way into the promised land. It wasn't all just laid out on a platter. The people didn't just roll over and go, oh, here you are, here's the land. <laughs> they, no, they, they fought them. There was adversity. They had to walk around Jericho, see it come down. Peter, he had to lead the church. He had to preach the gospel and eventually he was martyred, crucified upside down, we hear, because he didn't see it as being worthy to be crucified the right way up like Jesus was. Wow. <laughs> it's not necessarily going to be easy. But here's the thing, nothing of any value comes without a cost. Nothing in my life comes, that's come my way that I hold dear has come without a cost. I think about my kids. They come with a cost. Whew. Ruby just got braces. Whew. <laughs> I'm going to start a fund. Uh, um, I'm just hoping all my girls need braces. <laughs> I'm going to be poor, man. <laughs> Nothing of any value comes without a cost. There's an opportunity here, but you'd be a fool to think that you're just going to walk into it and it's all just going to fall in your lap. We need to, to determine to hold the course in it and we'll see God do a miracle. And we've got we've to hustle while we wait. That's what I love about Ben's story is that I know that he worked hard online. He did lots of stuff. While they were shut, while he could have just said, oh, well, I'm shut and I can't do anything. No, he's like, no, I'm going to go to work. And then God honored that and he's been blessed. We need to go to work in this season of opportunity. Why don't you stand to your feet? I'm about to close, but I just believe God wants to do something in some of us this morning that, We've got through this lockdown and we're heading back into normal life and it's easy for us to kind of slip back into old patterns, old behaviours and not see the opportunity that is in front of us. To just kind of go back to normal. Well, I know you don't like the phrase, but there's a new normal. And actually it's a normal of opportunity. There's an opportunity in this season and I don't want us to miss it. I don't want us to let it slide on by. At the start, just before lockdown, I um, decided I should visit my neighbours. God prompted me to go. We have got a couple of elderly neighbours. One of them wasn't at home, but I went and saw the other one. I took Ruby with me and we went and met um, Jocelyn, who's in her 70s. She lost her husband of 57 years just last year. Uh, She'd only moved, they'd only moved to Tamaru a couple, couple years ago. And she's alone. And so Ruby and I, we just stood at the doorstep because we weren't allowed to let, actually get, go into her house at that point. But we just made contact and we got her phone number and we connected with her. And, uh, and then we went away. And, and then every week for the next eight weeks, I just gave her a phone call. And I just said, hey, Justin, how you doing? 
you know, is there anything you need from the supermarket? Can we, you know, anything you need? And, uh, and just actually just rang her to have a chat because she was lonely. She was by herself. And then uh, lockdown lifted and uh, we had her around for, for a tea and coffee at our place. And, we, uh, and so we, it was lovely. We had a, had a, had a good yarn and, and just got to connect. And I tell you that story, not to go, oh, Dave, you're such a good pastor. No. <laughs> I tell you that story because there was an opportunity there. And I, I just happened to turn into God when He, when he said, oh, you should check on your neighbors. I was like, yeah, right, I should. And so I took that opportunity. And from that opportunity, I built a relationship. And I had a chance to share with her about, you know, what I do as a pastor and, and just to love her and to bless her and to be a friend to her in that season. There are people in your world that I can't reach. There are opportunities in your world that I can't take, but you can. And you need to if we're to be the church in this season. So why don't you close your eyes in this moment? And if you're here and you think, man, I, I need to take an opportunity. I need to lift up my eyes from my own problems and see the opportunity that's in front of me. If that's you, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you and with you this morning. Come on, there's hands going up all over. Too often we get caught up in our own business and we fail to see the opportunities. Because remember, these opportunities are for us to do good outside of our own lives towards others. So just in this moment, I want to pray. Father, I thank you that you have been with us in this season. You have not forsaken us. You have been our rock and our shelter in this lockdown period. But God, now as we come out of it, we know it's a season of opportunity. And Lord, I pray for each of us that we would see the opportunities that you place before us and you would help us to grasp them, whether they're business opportunities, whether they're opportunities to reach out uh, in relationship to our workmates, to our classmates, to our neighbours, to our family, whether it's an opportunity to bless someone financially, whatever the opportunity is, God, help us to tune into you, to see that opportunity and to grasp it with both hands. And may it give you glory, God. May it give you honour. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, there's one more, one more opportunity that we have in this moment. You see, the greatest story of adversity turned to opportunity is found in Jesus. He was wrongfully accused, brought before uh, the Sanhedrin and the and the judges, and they were, and he was, and he was wrongfully sentenced to death, and he was beaten, and he was whipped, and he was hung on a cross, and he was brutally murdered. That's the greatest adversity. But in that adversity comes our greatest opportunity, because in doing that, he gives us the opportunity to have new life, because on that cross he took our sin and our shame and it was dealt with so that we can come with a pure, clean record to God, our Father, and come into relationship with Him. And I wanna give you the opportunity here, just with every eye closed, head bowed. If you're here and you haven't made that opportunity,
taking that opportunity to give your life to God, to come into relationship with Him, now is the chance. Or maybe you have made that choice before, but you know you've slid away in this time. Since this last season, you've fallen away from God and you know you need to come back to Him. Now's your opportunity. If that's you here, I just encourage you to raise your hand. I will see it. You can put it down and then we're going to pray together. Is there anybody here who wants to take this opportunity to give their life to God, to get their life right with Jesus? I'm looking around. Okay, I'm not seeing any hands, so you can raise your eyes and look at me. Now is our opportunity, church. More people have been looking at church over this season than ever before because they can do it from the comfort and the safety of their own home. They can just go to church in their dressing gown. And how many of you know there's a fear of the unknown? But I know, I know, because they record the stats. We've had like 30,000 people tuning in online on a, on a Sunday. A lot of those people don't go to church regularly. They're just like, man, I'm looking for something that can help me in this season. And you probably know some of those people. Now is your opportunity to invite them into the space. Now is your opportunity to say, hey, come along to an e-group. We're just a bunch of friends hanging out. We just have a hot drink and yarn and, and you know, it's, you enjoy it. Now is our opportunity. Now is as great opportunity as we've ever had to connect with people and draw them to Jesus. Let's take that opportunity. Can we? Can we, church? Yes. Awesome. Bless you.